Welcome back to the Dirt Show. The last couple of shows from um, Israel tonight and tomorrow. Then I'm back and um, have our regular time. Um, it's still the regular time, except it's now after midnight uh, in Israel. It's an amazing, amazing place. Everybody argues with everybody about everything. Um, the high-tech industry is beyond belief. Uh, Every day there's a new invention, a new cure for disease, uh, a new uh, agricultural innovation. It's just amazing. Every kid in his garage or her garage is inventing something. Um, many of the startup uh, nation companies uh, started from um, Israeli intelligence, um, which is among the best in, in the world, particularly the technological aspects of it and then the people who worked for five or seven years in the army then open up their own companies and um, and some of them become quite wealthy um, and um, it, it's just an amazing innovative place where ideas are a dime um, a dozen and many of them are good ones it, it just shows that you know for two thousand years the Jews were exiled from their country, from um, Eretz Israel, from Israel. And they lived in every other country and they contributed enormously to many countries. But it took the establishment really of a, a nation state of the Jewish people to um, uh, really bring out um, uh, innovation. Uh, and um, it's, um, it's, it's a pleasure to watch. It's a complicated country. It's a difficult country. It's going through lots of problems, movement to the right, um, and um, you know, the election of some people that um, are very close to what, what the Republican Party, uh, at least the right wing of the Republican Party is in the United States, uh, is really in many ways a mirror image of, of the United States in, in so many different ways. Here it's the right that's trying to restrict the Supreme Court, and the United States is the left that's trying to restrict the Supreme Court. But again, very, very many um, parallels. Israel has a very interesting system of justice. I met with the attorney general uh, today, the first woman attorney general of uh, Israel. She seemed really uh, terrific. And I'm going to be meeting with lots of people um, tomorrow um, as well. And then Thursday, I have a conference and Thursday night, fly back to uh, America on, on El Al. Um, okay, so what I want to talk today is about the, the headline um, in many American uh, papers that uh, Sam um, Bankman-Fried uh, has been arrested. The latest headline is that he has been denied bail um, in, in, in the Bahamas. And if, if you read the New York Times, of course he's guilty. The New York Times says it was a fraud right from the beginning, quoting prosecutors in the indictment. Uh, prosecutors said Sam Bankman-Fried orchestrated a massive year-long uh, uh, fraud. Maybe, maybe. So far, all we have is an indictment. And what is an indictment? An indictment is a piece of paper signed by 23 grand jurors, uh, or a majority of them, uh, at the request of the prosecutors. And grand juries almost always exceed to the request of the prosecutors. So what is an indictment? An indictment is an accusation. That's all it is, an accusation. The accusation is a very serious one. Uh, wire fraud, stock fraud, money laundering, uh, campaign 
uh, contributions, you name it. But when the government goes after somebody, they often pile on. Uh, one act can constitute seven or eight crimes. Um, and so just because somebody's indicted on seven or eight or 10 offenses, uh, A, it doesn't mean that the government is really trying to prove seven or eight or 10 different things. They may be trying to prove only one or two things, but use a variety of uh, labels and statutes to get to that to get to that one thing. I'm not saying that Sam Bankman-Fried is, is innocent. Certainly something went wrong with that company. And certainly lots of people seem to have lost lots of money. I have to tell you, I never put a penny into uh, crypto, whatever, finance. I never understood it. I never understood how a private company can compete with the government on money. You know, I probably wouldn't have thought when I was growing up that a private company could compete with the postal service that they have quite effectively um, and the Federal Express and others. Um, but money, I mean, you know, the first article of the Constitution talks about the right to you know, coin money and the right to create money and the right to have a treasury is, is in Congress. Um, but uh, cryptocurrency became a reality. Um, one of my cousins, um, nephew, one of my nephews, uh, bought one or two coins for a few hundred dollars, and they were worth, I don't know, at some point, $35,000. So, you know, a lot of people were, were, were jealous and said, gee, why didn't I do that? Of course, the people who invested with uh, Sam Bankman Fried's uh, company uh, wish they hadn't. And um, Newspaper comments are comparing him to Madoff. That just doesn't seem right to me. Um, Madoff was just an absolute crook. There was no product there. He just faked everything. He knew from the beginning that he was faking everything. He, he took money from my dear friend, Elie Wiesel, not his own money, uh, but money that he was using in his foundation for humanity. Um, I just don't get the sense that Sam Bankman-Fried is like Madoff. I mean, the guy certainly didn't spend a lot of money on clothing or haircuts. Um, uh, he always dressed like a schlump. Um, I guess that's the style today. Sometimes it can be elegant style. Of course, um, um, Facebook and, and uh, Jobs and uh, uh, the Theranos, one, they, all, they all kind of dress down a little bit. Uh, T-shirts, turtlenecks. Uh, this guy <laughs> went beyond that. I mean, these cargo pants and and, and a cheap T-shirt. Um, you know, the, the the other guys were wearing T-shirts, but they were made um, in, in in Italy or France, and they were they were fancy. Um, and he said right from the beginning he was going to give all his money to kind of altruistic giving to charities and. I, somehow, maybe I fell for it. I I believed it. And I'm not, again, saying he didn't violate any any laws, but it, he certainly doesn't strike me as somebody who right from the very beginning said to be or not to be a felon. I am going to create a totally false structure. I, I just don't just that doesn't ring true to me. Um, it, it's certainly possible that he started out with the best of intentions and did well. Uh, he was worth billions of dollars at some point. And then uh, it all went south and he may have done some things to cover up and um, to prevent uh, the government and investors from knowing. 
that's a very different situation. It's criminal to be sure, but it's very different than what Madoff did and what others have done with Ponzi schemes. Uh, so I, I have an open mind. I'm going to wait. I, as you know, believe in the presumption of innocence, whether it's for <laughs> Donald Trump or, or Sam Bankman uh, freed. And, and of course, in America, if somebody is wealthy and successful, people just love to pile on. People just love to do it. Uh, and uh, so many people are piling on now. And now apparently they're investigating his father and maybe investigating his mother. And they've had to resign from jobs. And uh, he's had to assure everybody that his parents weren't involved. You know, let's wait and see the evidence. It isn't starting well. Bail has been denied. I don't get it. Why is bail denied? Uh, it's a white collar crime. He's not going to go shoot anybody. Uh, yeah, he's in the Bahamas. That's where he lives. And he has a house there. He didn't try to escape to a country that didn't have an extradition treaty. He went to a country where he knew he could be extradited. He basically surrendered to the, the police when they wanted him to. I don't get it. If you're presumed innocent, if this is just really a piece of paper that makes an accusation, why do you go to jail? Um, um, why not have a, a bracelet? Uh, uh, why not, you know, take away his passport and take away his access to airplanes? And by the way, being in the Bahamas doesn't make it easy to go anywhere. It's a pretty relatively small airport and a relatively small island. Um, obviously, he's going to have to come back to New York at some point. He's been indicted in the Southern District of New York, which is uh, lower Manhattan. He's going to have to face trial there, but surely seems like he should be eligible for bail. Denial of bail should be the rare exception. It should be only in cases where there's pretty strong evidence that a person is likely to flee or likely to commit violent crimes in the hiatus between arrest and and trial, because, you know, trials take a long time. And particularly a trial like this, it's very complicated. Um, the jury's going to have to hear all kind of evidence, which I don't understand. I'm not a particularly stupid person. Some of you think I am, but, um, uh, and I don't understand cryptocurrency. And they're going to have to explain it to people. And that's the job of the lawyer. The lawyer's job is often to be a translator, to uh, simplify complex issues and and turn them into something the juries can get their heads around and, and decide, uh, A, was there an actus reus? Was there an act, a criminal act? And was there a mens rea? Was there a mental intention to uh, commit uh, such a crime? And um, it's not going to be an easy task for the, for the jury. And it's going to be uh, a hard job for any good criminal defense lawyers um, apparently they're putting together a team. I know there are some Stanford uh, law professors who are apparently uh, consulting on the case, uh, both for the father or the mother. And, and for Sam, uh, they need separate counsel, obviously, and uh, their counsel will probably work together. They, they will have what's called a joint defense agreement so that they can share information confidentially. Um, there'll be searches and seizures and um, the government will say, no, no, we, we, we don't need a special master to look through and see whether or not um, this lawyer-client privilege material that's been seized. Um, 
That case was uh, lost by Donald Trump in the 11th Circuit, mistakenly, I think. I think that um, the government should not be able to uh, peruse material, look at it, and see whether it's lawyer-client privilege, and then give it to the prosecution team only if it's not. I don't trust the government, and uh, the Constitution doesn't trust the government. And uh, uh, as Madison said, if men were angels, uh, men and women were angels, we wouldn't need constitutions. Now, you know, I, I've long, long warned people not to jump to conclusions about guilt. I, I taught that for, you know, 50 years. And then, of course, I was falsely accused, never criminally. No, no prosecutor ever would have dreamed uh, based on the evidence of, of going after me criminally. But I was accused civilly for money, and uh, falsely, categorically falsely. And today there was some uh, more information revealed from some uh, depositions from the 2017. And um, some of these uh, accusations have come to the forefront again. Again, uh, no basis, no basis for them uh, whatsoever. But um, uh, I, I have now lived through the experience of being falsely accused. And I have to tell you, it's made me a better lawyer. It's made me uh, a more caring uh, person hurt me and it hurt my family and it um, hurt my reputation among some people. Some people still unbelievably, some people believe it. There's obviously no basis for any of these uh, allegations. And, and I think any think, thinking person knows that. And if you have any doubts, just read my book, uh, Guilt by Accusation, and it will resolve uh, all doubts. But um, the... Um, it, this is not about me. This is about the presumption of innocence, something that we have fought for for um, you know hundreds of years uh, in many countries in the world. In Iran, today there's no presumption of innocence. Uh, they just executed two people who have participated in in demonstrations. There's no trial. There's no evidence. There's no defense attorney. If you're arrested, you're executed. Um, the Soviet Union had the same thing. I litigated cases in the Soviet Union. I've litigated cases in Ukraine. I've litigated cases in uh, many parts of the world. Um, some have presumptions of innocence. Uh, some do not. We do. Now, is the media bound to presume people innocent? There's nothing in the Constitution about that. The, the media could um, decide that somebody's guilty based on their own investigation, but not based on an indictment. And I think the New York Times uh, went overboard here. Um, they gave the readers what they wanted. Oh, this guy is clearly guilty fraud from the beginning. You know, the prosecutor said so, so it must be. It must be so. No, no, that's not the way it works. And um, uh, I think the media should also engage in a presumption of innocence. And of course, it really depends on on the crimes. Uh, there are some crimes in which the media does presume people uh, innocent, but um, uh, many crimes not. And it depends who is being charged and who is being uh, accused. The the media loves uh, to go after some some people and and not after others. And of course, the Me Too movement shifted the presumption: believe all women, don't believe men. Um, if you're accused, you're guilty. That was the name of my book, Guilt by Accusation, The Challenge of Proving Innocence in the Age of Me Too. It's, it's not easy. I did it. Um, and um, um, 
I was able to do it for a very obvious reason. I did nothing wrong. I had nothing to hide uh, during the entire relevant period of time um, um, when um, um, I was acquainted with and represented Jeffrey Epstein. I never touched uh, a woman other than my my wife, uh, who had been who I met now. We just celebrated our, our 40th anniversary of meeting in 36 and a half years of wonderful marriage. Um, by the way, my great wife, my bold, brave wife, while I was in Israel um, for about a week, she took off and went to um, the Rwanda, where she uh, climbed up mountains uh, for five and a half hours to see uh, silverback gorillas uh, by herself. She went sloshing through mud. It was just absolutely amazing. I have to just give so much credit uh, to her and the photograph she sent back of these unbelievable animals. They are so human-like. They cuddle their babies. They look just like, you know, we look like. Uh, um, and, and they seem to have, you know, real, real compassion and, and feeling. But in any event, my wife had a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, time. Um, she was the oldest person uh, there on her trip. She's 71. Uh, I wish I could have gone, but I'm 84, and uh, um, my docs have said, you know, maybe not a third world country at this point. Stick, stick to Israel, where they have first-rate hospitals, just in case anything uh, goes wrong. But one of these days, I really would love to see those gorillas, but maybe in a different life. So let's go to some letters. Um, oh, the letters... Almost all of them, both, by the way, by the way, on Rumble and on YouTube, uh, were very much opposed to the trade, um, which brought Brittany Griner back to the United States in exchange for the merchant of death. Um, almost all the letters said it shouldn't have been done. I don't know how many of the letters were influenced by President Trump, former President Trump, who said he wouldn't have made that uh, trade. But uh, people, people, um, look, listen to some of these letters. I'm not surprised that the Democrats traded a worldwide criminal for a pothead basketball player and left a Marine in captivity. They didn't leave a Marine in captivity. They tried desperately to get that Marine out. Uh, they tried desperately to get that Marine out even before um, uh, Griner was herself arrested. And the Russians have said, no, you can't break into prison. Uh, you can only make the deal that they're willing to make. And they were not willing to release the Marine. As I said, I, I hope the Marine does get uh, released. It seems to me like he is being improperly uh, held, uh, as well as Vogel, uh, the teacher, the school teacher, who is being held as well on a minor pot charge. I mean, the letters showed such a lack of sympathy, some of them. Um, here, I'll read some more. Nobody watches women's basketball. How is she famous? I did not know who she was until she was arrested. Hey, that's on you. Um, the WNBA is very popular. Um, I have to tell you, I was a pretty good basketball player. As a kid, I played Madison Square Garden. Um, uh, on the opposing team was a guy named Ralphie Lipschitz, who changed his name to Ralph Lauren. Wasn't a great ball player, but he dressed very well. I was a pretty good ball player. I tried out for my college team. I didn't make it. So, you know, but you watch the NBA these days. 
the women in the NBA are better than the men were at when I was playing basketball. These women are unbelievable uh, in terms of three-point shooting, foul shooting, jump shots. You know, they're they're obviously they're not as tall. Griner is quite tall, I think six nine. But uh, and that's all Larry Bird was. Um, or that's all Bill Russell was. Maybe he was six ten. Um, but um, but these women are fantastic. And if you haven't heard of the NBA, that's your fault, not the N- WNBA's fault. The N- WNBA has been a great success. Uh, one of my sons is involved with the WNBA, and um, that's a wonderful story about that. So he took his daughter once to a Nick game. She had been to a lot of WNBA games because he was with the NBA, WNBA. And my, my granddaughter, who's now in medical school, um, when she went to the Nick game, she said, oh, Daddy, I didn't know that boys played basketball, too. She had been brought up on, on women's basketball. And look, women's sports are incredibly important. I mean, if you really want to have equality, you do have to have equality in sports. The, the facilities have to be the same. Salaries uh, should be close. I mean, nobody's going to make Aaron Judd's, what is it, $13,000 in that bat? I, I mentioned it the other day, but um, no, a pitch, $13,000 a pitch. Um, and um, uh, nobody in, in any other sport is going to make that. Maybe, maybe uh, soccer uh, around the world, Messi. I just watched Messi. Um, to take apart Croatia single-handedly, and so he's um, he's he's a great player, and maybe he makes something uh, like that, but uh, not too many people do, and and obviously, it's not going to be equality, gender equality, based on a complete equality on salary, but resources have to be made available, uh, women and men alike, and I just love uh, women's sports and particularly um, women's women's basketball, so. If you haven't heard of her, well, you should watch a WNBA game one of these days and you will see how exciting it could be. Uh, Here's one. Here's a real patriot. Here's a real patriot, you know, somebody who loves America. I'd rather trade the U.S. government for the Russian government. He would take the Russian government. Hey, you know, you can go there. They're they're taking people in. They don't have too many people who want to come these days. And just don't bring any drugs. But I'm sure they'd be happy to take you. I'd rather trade the U.S. government for the Russian government. At least the Russian government doesn't actively spend all of its time destroying the people it was created to serve. Really? The Russian government treats its people well? How about the Iranian government? Maybe you want to move to Iran and trade the Iranian government. Just don't protest. Don't be gay. Don't uh, wear the wrong clothing. Um, you know, the, the, the protest in the street started because a young 20-something-year-old woman was not wearing her religious garb properly, according to the religious police. And, and so she was killed. And that started the protests. Uh, look, we all have the right to be critical of our country. I'm critical of many things in our country. I love our country. Um, I stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. I stand for the Star Spangled Banner. I sing the Star Spangled Banner. I'm proud to be an American. Um, You don't have to be, but (laughs) trading our government for Russian government, no way. Here's another one. This is so 
there are people out there who are so stupid, so unbelievably ignorant and so bigoted and biased. You can just see how this country, if it fell into the hands of some of these people, uh, could turn into something uh, really horrible. Okay, here's this letter. How could trading a male basketball player pretending to be a woman for an arms dealer ever be worth it? A male basketball player pretending to be a woman? Where do you get that stuff? Where do you get it from? Where do you make up stuff like that? This is a, a woman who, who is playing great basketball. But that's what, uh, that's what this guy wants to, wants to say. Uh, it was the dumbest trade ever made. And the only excuse they have managed is the Marine wasn't offered by Russia. Well, uh, the, the constant lies about uh, Griner made by the White House are also unforgivable garbage. Bringing pot into a country illegally and admitting it to the court is not being jailed without merit. Yes, it is. If you get more than 10 years for a tiny, tiny amount of it, it is unjustified. And so many of the letters say, oh, she committed a crime. She should be in jail for the rest of her life. No, we believe in proportionality. You know what the usual sentence is for a tiny amount of vaping or hashish or marijuana in states that still make it illegal and some still do? It's a slap on the wrist. Um, uh, or if you're a dealer, of course, that's different. But neither Fogel nor Greiner were accused of being uh, dealers, they obviously, if they brought the drugs in at all, they brought it in for their own uh, consumption, their own purposes. And that's, that's, uh, that's different. Um, you know, I've never tried a drug in my life. I've never, I've never done marijuana. I've never done hashish. I've never done, obviously, cocaine or anything like that. My, my drug of choice basically is aspirin. Um, and, and a blood thinner. Um, but um, uh, the idea that, um, that uh, a minor offense like uh, vaping or, or marijuana should carry a multi-year sentence was obviously designed just to get an exchange. It was obviously designed just to extort uh, the American public uh, into doing what it had to do to rescue somebody. All right, a couple of questions on a more general subject. This is a very interesting one. Ought there not to be an age limit for president just the same way that there's a minimum limit? Remember, the Constitution does say you have to be 35. You can't be 34. If the Constitution had been written at a different time, maybe it would have said you can't be over 80. I don't know. Nobody, almost no, very few people live to be over 80. It's interesting. Our, a lot of our founding fathers did. Uh, Washington died young, but Jefferson Adams, as you probably all know, died on the same day on Independence Day uh, in the same year, the same time. Um, and uh, they were in their 80s, both of them. And uh, other, some other Americans were as well. Uh, but the average age expectancy was in the 50s uh, back then. And so nobody thought about an age limit at the, at the top. I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to it. I, I think I'm pretty dynamic and active at age 84. I don't climb mountains to see gorillas, 
but um, I, I challenge governments and I challenge courts. And um, but yet I would be happy to say there should be age limits. And again, I'm in Israel In Israel. There are age limits for everything. Um, justices of the Supreme Court have to retire at age. I think it's 72. It's pretty young these days. And um, um, everybody, army, everybody has to retire at a certain age. And that's true in many European countries. It's true in parts of the United States. Uh, there are mandatory retirement ages for judges in some states. Um, universities don't have them. Uh, I retired at 75 from Harvard, didn't have to. I have colleagues who are in their late 80s who are still teaching and teaching effectively, but it's, it's not a bad idea to have um, uh, um, maximum age limits. Um, but it can't be for current candidates, because it would be used uh, perhaps selectively. Uh, here's one. Although I voted for Trump twice, and this is, relates to age, although I voted for Trump twice, I think and hope his political life is over. He has outlived his usefulness. As president, he did many good things, but his biggest accomplishment, in my opinion, was keeping Hillary out of the White House. All right, look, I voted for Hillary. You could have your views. Um, I took the position in 2020 that Trump would have been much better off if he had announced in 2020, look, I've served four years. I've accomplished more in four years than most presidents accomplish in eight. I don't see any reason to extend my term. Um, I am leaving on high, having done the Abraham Accords, having brought about a great economy, and I'll leave it to younger people. He, he'd have gone down in history um, in a very positive uh, way, uh, more positive than he will go down in history by having challenged the electoral results and um, for having said some of the things that you've heard about on this show, uh, his dinner with Kanye West, Yee, and some of the other things that he said, which we'll talk about in subsequent shows as well. But it's interesting that uh, here you have somebody who voted for him uh, and now thinks that uh, um, probably he, he, should, he should leave the scene. People ask me in Israel every single day who's going to be the next president. And I say, not only don't I know, nobody knows. Nobody knows. I think if Biden runs against Trump, Biden wins again. Um, but if um, Biden doesn't run, who runs? If Trump doesn't run, who runs? Um, there's a tremendous amount of uncertainty about what the 2024 election will bring about. And so stay tuned on this podcast. We'll be bringing you up to date about all the developments electorally, legally, and in every other way. See you tomorrow.